Colossians chapter 3. The name of the message is Thanksgiving Through Christ. Thanksgiving Through Christ. And we'll look at the verses 12 to 17. And 17 will be the verse we'll be looking at tonight. But again, I'd like to read the context of the verse. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And here's our text for tonight. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Thanksgiving through Christ. Thanksgiving through Christ. Tonight we'll look at verse 17, chapter 3, but let's look quickly back at what we looked at last week in verse 16 to ready us for the study tonight in verse 14. In verse 16, we looked at how the word of Christ is the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's it's the scriptures, which include the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This entire book, from Genesis to Revelation, is extremely precious to the believer because it points us to and tells us about the Lord Jesus Christ. And And it's not just the letters in red that are Christ's words. He's the author of this book, beloved. He's the author. This is his his word, God's word to us. To us, to us. And this book is beloved by God's people. And we are to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, which is the Lord Jesus Christ alone, because he is the source of all our wisdom. And he is the believer's wisdom along with our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. We have nothing outside of Christ, nothing but condemnation. But oh, in Christ, in Christ the believer is secure. In Christ the believer is forgiven, pardoned of all their sins, justified before a holy and righteous God. And so we are to teach and admonish one another in Christ. In Christ. Whatever we do at this church, we are to do for God's glory, for Christ, for the glory of Christ. And we are to be thankful doing it. We are to give Him thanks and praise. Thanks and praise. God's people are thankful people. We see that in the latter part of of verse 16. They sing with grace in their hearts because they're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. They have a new song, a song which we never had at one time. But now we do. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And they have hearts which look, which look and which cling to the Savior, to Christ and Him alone. And now we've been studying Colossians. And we'll be going through a portion which is brought forth before us, that which is commonly referred to as practical godliness. 
And practical godliness pertains to things that accompany salvation, a lifestyle that harmonizes with the believer's profession. We who believe have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. We, we have had the Spirit sent into our hearts, into the hearts of God's chosen people. And that's the miracle of the new birth. We're born again. And that's a work of God. That's not a work of some decision. No. No, it's a work of God. Salvation's of the Lord from beginning to end. And that's how our minds have been enlightened by the power, by the sovereign power of the Holy Spirit who now dwells within us. And again, that's the new man, the new creation. Now we have a a new nature that battles with this body of flesh all the time. Don't you long to be sinless? Don't you long to? Oh, we do, don't we? We do. We long for that time when we'll be in glory with the Lord and we'll be absolutely sinless. It'll be amazing, beloved. It'll be amazing. And as new creatures in Christ, we're to put off the old man with his deeds, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth. We, we're not to lie one to another. And, and we're to put on the new man, and that's all by God's regenerating power. Remember, we looked at that. We, we don't do that. It's God, the Holy Spirit, uh, who puts on the new man on us, just like the armor of God, beloved. The armor of God is put on by God. It's put on us, and it's all Christ. Every piece of that armor points right to Christ and Him alone. And it's God who puts the armor on and it doesn't get removed. It doesn't get removed, beloved. My. So we put on the new man by God's regenerating work in us. And it enables us to show mercy to one another, kindness to one another, humbleness of mind. It enables us to be long-suffering with one another, to have patience with one another, to forgive one another, to forgive one another. With, and, and, and also to have a genuine love in our hearts for Christ Jesus our Lord and his blood-bought children. Right? We have a whole new attitude about God's people, don't we? I know. I know. It's amazing. And it's, that's why we sing, it's amazing grace. Because it's all the work of God. So practical godliness accompanies salvation, so-called godly living, without the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us, It's nothing but hypocrisy. It's nothing but hypocrisy without the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So in the middle of this teaching on practical godliness, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, admonishes every believer in our text to whatsoever you do in word or deed, and that that covers everything. Word or deed, that covers everything. There's nothing left out. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. By him. Every believer desires to do the Lord's will. We desire to do the Lord's will. And we desire to do what this word says, don't we? We desire that. There was a time when we didn't, when I didn't even want to read the Bible. Now it's precious. Now I desire to do do what God tells me to do in the scriptures. Not what some man tells me to do, but what the word of God tells me to do. Yeah. And in our lives, we face many situations, don't we? Many situations. And we make decisions. And this wonderful book will teach us and show us by example what the Lord would have us to do. And like the faithful father that God is, he never, ever, 
And I mean, he never ever leaves his children without clear instruction, does he? Because this word, this word is a lamp unto our feet. And it's a light unto our path. Right? In Proverbs, he also says this, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Ordered by the Lord. Brother Henry Mahan brings out, brings forth in, in making decisions in our lives what we as God's people should ask ourselves before moving forward. Like say a big decision like moving or something like that. What, what, what are, how we should approach it from a scriptural point of view. He says, first of all, we should say, is it for God's glory? Is it for God's glory? Is what I'm about to do or where I'm about to go in the best interest of God's glory? Will God receive more glory in this way or in another? Scripture declares this. Whether we eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. The second question is this. Is this, is this for the good of the church? Is this for the good of the church? How is this decision going to affect the church of which I am a member and vitally joined to? Don't forget, we're joined together. Our hearts are knit together in love, aren't they? They're knit together in love. And no believer is independent. We're a member of the body. I'm a member of the body of Christ with you. This local ecclesia, this local called out assembly, it's not the building. Oh, it's the people. It's the people. We're called out assembly. beloved. We're a called out assembly. And everything we do affects the church. We need to guard against anything which may bring a reproach upon our God and his church. And we need to seek ways to serve the body and not ourselves. Not ourselves. Scripture declares this that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. We're, we're to esteem each other better than ourselves. Better than ourselves. See, our old way of living, it was look out for number one, wasn't it? It's not like that in the body of Christ. No. No, we seek God's glory. We seek his glory. And then, and then number three is, how is this going to affect my family's spiritual good? I have a husband, a wife, or a daughter, everything I do, every decision I make affects them in some way. I must lay aside my personal desires, Henry says, in favor of them. I must do what is best for their spiritual good. And in Ephesians 5.25, as Christ loved the church, right? The very last consideration, and perhaps no consideration at all, is my own personal desires or happiness. Henry closes with this. Scripture declares, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ. Follow Christ. So with those thoughts in mind, let us take another look at Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So the believer in Christ is here in our text admonished that in all things... We are to do them to the glory, giving, giving thanks to God and the Father in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us ponder what happened at Coloss. The false teachers had crept in. They would crept in, beloved. And they were teaching that there was a barrier between God and his people. 
they were teaching that there were elemental spirits, which is angels, that stood in the way of God's people and God. So they were not teaching one mediator, they were teaching multiple mediators between God and man. And only they had the, the key to unlock the way for, for you to be able to talk to God through, the, it, through their teachings. Now think of it this way. Paul is attacking that error right here before us. Right here before us in this verse. He is showing the Colossian believers that they are to do all things. And all means all. All things. They are to do whatsoever you do in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's attacking the error and showing the Colossian believers that they are to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, right before us, we see Paul stressing again the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, beloved. He's the one who bought creation about. He's the one who spoke this whole world into existence. He's the one who holds it all together. He's supreme over creation. He's supreme over things visible and invisible. He's preeminent in everything. And that together, with all this, he is the head of the body, the church. There is no mediator except Christ between God and man. So he's attacking, right here in this verse, of, uh, meanwhile admonishing the believers in Colossians, he's actually attacking too at the same time the error of having to have mediators between God and, 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 uh, and the believers when Scripture declares there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. He is the one who has made peace for us by his precious blood, which was shed on Calvary's cross. He is the only mediator. And Paul here brings forth the greatness of Christ and his saving work for, all, for his people. And he does that all through this epistle, doesn't he? All through this epistle so far we've seen Paul just exalting the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. The fact that he tells us we're complete in him. The fact that he tells us Christ is our all in all. We don't need anything else or anyone else but Christ and him alone. And he is everything we need. Because there is nothing that we can bring to God before him by our own works and our own merits that God will accept. He only accepts that which Christ has done in him alone. And it's only in Christ that we're accepted in the beloved. It's through Christ and him alone. So he brings forth the greatness of Christ in his saving work. Destroying the false claims that other powers, the, me, the, the other mediators that the Gnostics are bringing in, destroying the, the false claims that the other powers involved in bringing people to God or that our works are notorious before God, which the false teachers even today like to yoke people with. You've got to do this to be saved. You've got to be baptized to be saved. You've got to go to this certain church to be saved. My. They just yoke people. Just yoke them. Yoke them with works. You got to follow the law. I can't. 
Christ did it for me. And on him I hang my eternal soul. Is it so with you? Oh, what a savior we have. So Paul shows the utter foolishness works-based religion brings forth in believing that works will bring people to God. Once again, he brings forth the supremacy and the all-sufficiency of Christ in him alone, saying, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. By him. Exclusiveness. Calvin brings forth this wonderful truth on this comment, on this verse. He says, we are to be wholly governed by the authority of Christ and may have an eye to his glory as the mark. It is also to be observed that he teaches that we must give thanks to the Father through Christ as we obtain through him every good thing that God confers upon us. End quote. Again, Ephesians chapter 1 says, all spiritual blessings are in Christ and him alone. They're nowhere else. They're nowhere else. So Paul brings forth here the exclusiveness of Christ and him alone in our salvation and also the exclusiveness of Christ and him alone in our access to the Father. In our access to the Father as we are to do all things for his glory, giving thanks to God in and through Christ alone. Look at our text again. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Let us take note. We are to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here before, before us, beloved, is the key to this verse. The key to this verse. We do all things in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Here is a common rule for all our actions in worship. A common rule for all our actions in daily life. A common rule for all our actions in teaching, in preaching. We are to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Think of this. Our interest in Christ is a result of the Father choosing us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Of the Holy Spirit regenerating us. And of the fact that Christ died for us upon Calvary's cross. Our position in Christ, in our acceptance in Christ, all comes to the believer from the Father in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So whether in preaching, whether in singing, whether in praying, whether in teaching, whether in conversation with, with other believers, let us do what we do in the name of Christ and for his glory. beloved. Whether in home, whether on the job or in any business, social contacts we have, we are not left at liberty to do as we please, but we are to aim at his glory and his will. This will bring God's blessings. This will bring unity of heart and purpose. This will drive out divisions and strife amongst the brethren if we do all, not for selfish purposes, but for Christ's sake. We have one aim here, don't we? 
preach Christ and him crucified, to, to have the gospel go forth from this place. Because we know that our salvation hinges upon Christ and him alone. We have no other hope outside of Christ. So where we are here to glorify God and to exalt Christ. Oh, and our salvation comes in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Now this is a common theme. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ is a common theme. Let's look at a few verses here. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians 5.20 and put your finger in Acts chapter 4. And then we'll go to Hebrews 10 and 1 John 5. I'll give you all those addresses again. Ephesians 5.20, Acts 4.12, Hebrews chapter 10, and 1 John 5. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also know that there's salvation in no other name but the Lord Jesus Christ because Acts chapter 4 verse 12 Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this. Neither is there salvation in any other, that being Christ. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's pretty exclusive. None other name. There goes Muhammad. There goes Buddha. There goes Mary. There goes all the false gods that people bow down and worship. There they go. They're gone. They've been proven to be false refuges of lies that people cling to because Scripture plainly declares neither is there salvation in any other. There is only salvation in Christ and Him alone. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My, what a Savior. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that one day all will confess Him as Lord and bow their knee to the glory of God the Father. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews 10. And it is through the name of Jesus and Him alone that we have access to the Father. We have no access to the Father but in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ is our Savior. Christ is our Mediator. Christ is our Redeemer. And it's in Him we call boldly on God. Only in Christ. Only in Christ. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 20. Heaven, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's only through Christ. By a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And then turn, if you would, to 1 John 5, 13. It is believing on Christ Jesus and Him alone that we have eternal life. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We don't trust a thing of ourselves, do we? We used to when we were lost. Sink or swim, 
We trust in him. Right? Christ in him alone. Look at this marvelous verse in 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you. He's writing to believers. He's writing to God's people that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. Folks say, well, how do you know you have eternal life? Because Christ said so. Because God said so. And eternal life is in Christ Jesus and Him alone, and He is my only hope, and He is my only trust. That ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe. You must believe. The unwilling are made willing. The unbelieving are granted faith to believe. Oh, what a gift faith is from God. That she may believe. On on who? On the name of the Son of God. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name. But Christ Jesus and him alone whereby we must be saved. The things that are written concerning salvation in Christ are not only written to encourage sinners to believe on Christ and to come to Him, that they might be saved, but they are written to confirm and to give confidence and to give assurance to those who already believe on Christ. We who believe on Christ, we grow in the knowledge and truth of Christ as we hear the gospel preached. Oh, and not only does God use it to save sinners, but also to have his people grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it marvelous? Isn't it? It's marvelous. By having the person and work and office and power of Christ explained to us again and again, our faith is confirmed and our faith is increased. What a mighty Savior we have. The one who keeps my soul is the one who has all power. Is it so with you too? It just makes us rejoice. <laughs> oh my. And he keeps his people, don't he? He keeps us and he takes us home. He has all the power. He has all. Let man say what they want and My God has all power, all authority. And he is the one who keeps the eternal souls of his people. He purchased us. He purchased us. You think he's going to lose those who he purchased? Never, 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 never. So eternal life is to be found nowhere but in Christ. And in order that those who are already in Christ might have assurance and that we might grow in our Faith in Christ Jesus, the preacher, is to magnify over again and again and again the grace of Christ, the all-sufficiency of Christ, and the supremacy of Christ again and again and again. We just want to hear about our King. We just want to hear about our King. So let us consider our text and remember Again, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, through Him, beloved. Also ponder this, that the Gnostic teachers were bringing forth other mediators, 
Paul once again focuses the Colossian believers on Christ and Him alone. On Christ and Him alone. And again, he hammers home, again, that we have no access to the Father, but in and through Christ and Him alone, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. By Him. It's a constant theme of Paul through all his epistles, pointing the believers to Christ, looking away from ourselves and looking to Christ in whom we are. Religion does the opposite. They tell you to look to yourself. I look myself, all I see is sin. I'm in a heap of trouble. I look to Christ, I see all my sins forgiven, pardoned, eternal life in him. Justified before God in Him. Religion is a sham. Works-based religion. Oh, but what we have in Christ Jesus our Lord is eternal. Christ alone is Lord and Sovereign. He's Lord and Sovereign over all. And He has, let us, let us just let this sink into our souls. He has accomplished salvation. For his people. It's accomplished. He's accomplished salvation for his people. In his life. He lived the life we could never live. In his death. He paid for us. Everything God demanded. God satisfied. It's finished. And in his resurrection. He's raised for our justification. We don't need anything else. But Christ. <laughs> oh my. What a great God we have. God's people love the word of God. And his word dwells in us richly. It is his name that we seek to exalt. We seek to exalt Christ's name here. To have his name sound forward from this place. That his gospel would be preached. And God's people, we want to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed every time we meet together. We don't want to hear nothing else. Nothing else. We don't gather together to try to be seen by others. We come here to worship our Lord and our King. And this is why it is important to be under the sound of the gospel. We are nourished and fed by the preaching of the gospel. Beloved, it's sheep food. It's sheep food. And we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the, manner, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to gather together. Because we're built up and edified. Christ, as we hear the gospel preached, we grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of our Savior. Genesis 51 says this, or Genesis 15, verse 1, I'm sorry, says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. We who believe the grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord we're not trying to earn our salvation. We're not trying to earn rewards. Christ is our reward. 
Genesis 15, 1, I'll read it again. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield. He's our protector. Turn the wrath of God away from us. And thy exceeding great reward. Oh, what we have in Christ, beloved. What we have in him. Pardon for all our sins. Full salvation. Justifying grace. So we serve the Lord in the local body. We gather together as a local body of believers because Christ has saved us. He's the one who saves. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who purchased you, brother. Christ. That's why we come together. Because we want to hear about the one who's redeemed us, the one who purchased us, the one who saved us from all our sins. We want to hear the gospel again and again and again. We hunger and thirst after righteousness now. After Christ. After Christ. We do not seek to draw attention to ourselves. And we esteem our brethren better than ourselves. And we seek to draw attention to Christ. And who he is. And what he has done. He must receive the preeminence. He must. He must. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist. He must. And note in our text again, it says, and whatsoever things you do in word or deed, do all in the manner of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Who is to give thanks? Let us note that God's elect are to give thanks. We're to give thanks to God. We're to be give thanks to God for the benefits which God has given us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Who are we to be thankful to? God the Father. The one who is the source of all our salvation. It is, it is he who planned and purposed the scheme of salvation. It is he who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. It is he who sent his son to die as our substitute. It is he who poured his wrath and justice out upon Christ in our place. And we receive all spiritual blessings in Christ from the Father through Christ. And there is nothing in us to merit these spiritual blessings. There's nothing in us that we would deserve these spiritual blessings. It all comes to us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. God's unmerited favor shown to sinners in Christ. So we are to be thankful to God the Father, who is the source again. He's the one who sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts where we cry, Abba, Father. And who are we to give thanks by to the Father? The Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. He alone is our salvation. He alone is our mediator with God. It is through Christ and Him alone that all spiritual blessings come to us. Again, with nothing in us to merit these blessings. 
So we bow to the exalted Christ of God, acknowledging Him and honoring Him as Lord of all. Here are some things we give thanks. We give thanks for to our Heavenly Father. Here are some things. We are giving thanks. We give thanks to our Heavenly Father for choosing us in Christ before the world began. Before the world began. We give thanks to our Heavenly Father for redeeming us by the perfect, redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. We give thanks to our Heavenly Father for raising His Son from the grave and giving Him a name which is above. We give thanks to our Heavenly Father for sending the Spirit of His Son into our hearts to take the things of Christ from the Scriptures and to reveal them to us. We give thanks to our Heavenly Father for giving us the only real reason for putting off the old man with his deeds and putting on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created us anew. It's all the work of God. And we give thanks because we know we could never do this on our own. There's none that seek after God. That means no one in their natural state would ever seek God. There's none righteous. But Scripture declares that those who believe on Christ are made righteous by the righteousness of Christ. My. So God our Father has put all things under the feet of King Jesus. He's king. He's king. All power in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus Christ, the God-man. He was God incarnate in the flesh. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow to his sovereign rule over all things in heaven, things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue is one day going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And let us close with these wonderful truths for the believer. May this have us leaving this place rejoicing. These wonderful truths for the believer in Christ and Him alone. Christ Himself, the Word of God, He who dwelt in eternity, left the glory He had from all eternity with the Father, and come down into this world to obtain salvation for poor sinners by the sacrifice of himself. Christ took upon himself our nature into union with himself, God and man. And he was born as a man, God incarnate in the flesh. And he did the will of God perfectly, which we had all left undone. He was our substitute in his life. He suffered on the cross. Brother Newell, you prayed about that. All the horrid wrath of God, which we ought to have suffered. Which I was deserved. And he suffered on the cross all the wrath of God 
which ought to have been poured out upon me and upon you who believe, dying in our place as our substitute. And he redeemed us from the curse of a broken law. And we're the ones who broke it. And he redeemed us. He purchased us with his own precious blood. He opened a fountain for cleansing from sin and uncleanness that the sinner who is double dye red with sin might be made whiter than snow. He died for our sins, the sinless one, the perfect one, the spotless lamb of God died for the sins of his people. And he rose again for our justification, proving that God was absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God, in the place of his people. And beloved, he ascended to God's right hand. And he sat down. Work's done. He sat down, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. And he sent the Holy Spirit to regenerate us and to teach us the things concerning himself. And it's all the work of God. And he did this because he's loved us with an everlasting love. And beloved, right now, right this second, He sits at the right hand of the Father right now, giving salvation to all who were given to him in eternity, interceding for all who trust him, and ruling the universe for the salvation of our souls according to his will and purpose. Our God is God. He's in absolute control. And the God, the Father, will not be praised or worshipped except through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our mediator with the Father. We trust in his merit and favor with God. We trust in the work he did as our substitute in his life and in his death. And beloved, we give praise to the Father and thanks to him in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And God's people say, praise is mighty. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can gather together tonight in your, the name of your, of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we give you thanks and praise in and through him knowing that the only access we have with thee is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we pray that you might be glorified this week and magnified in our lives. And we thank you that you loved us before we loved you. And we thank thee, Lord Jesus, 
for saving our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close.